Welcome to Genuine Wrestle Boys, a podcast of usually about four friends, made better friends, through a love of professional wrestling. But today, it's a takeover. We're taking over, BWO style. It's the revival of the podcast with one fan, and his name's Jordan. The Good Match Show. The GMS boys are in the fucking house. GMS? Good Match Show? Good match show, and it's yeah. good to be back. I yeah. wish you um, did a little bit more wordplay at the beginning. It could have been like, this is the takeover. I guess you could say it's the revival of the best DIY wrestling podcast that always came out on Come Tuesday. Um, just do like a big compilation, right? Just a 20-minute just like bit like that, like that one Gym Class Heroes song. I don't know what that is. <laughs> oh, never mind. Play just, it. Play it. I'm not going to play it. Just do timestamps so people can skip through. It's like intro to 44 seconds, and it's like Gym Class Heroes 20 minute bit. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, four, like, it's like 23 to like 54. It's like a fucking profile on a guy I've never heard of. Hi, Dave. <laughs> but yeah, this is uh, Genuine Russell Boys. Follow us on our socials, they're all out there. But today we are coming together because privately, just as friends, Noah and I were like previewed full gear together, just talking as buddies. And then we're like, let's fucking recap it. The Russell boys are a little busy this week. And so I'm like, let's just fucking record it. Let's put it to tape. Let's fucking do the deal. I always love talking uh, to Noah about wrestling. We always have good chats about it i mean that's how we became friends is through wrestling the podcast tagline is true with this um and also it's just uh it was a good show that we watched and it's like talking about wrestling with people and yeah how did you how did you enjoy full gear enjoy is a strong word um it's one of those things where i feel like we're just lacking that Nick Bockwinkle baby face that real Pampiro Furpo character work. And it's a shame. It's a shame. I, were you ever familiar with Portland wrestling back in the 70s? Uh, I can't say that I watched too much Portland wrestling. Another vibe. I, I enjoyed the show quite a bit. I enjoyed the Don show Owen, quite right? a bit. What? That was Don Owens territory, right? Yep, was a, yeah, it is Don, Don Owens. Owen. Yeah, Donovan's the greatest booker. Portland, 70s, Bachwinkle, Furpo. 
Raven. Can we cut this out? No. I fucking just all right. Um, I enjoyed the show. I actually I threw a party. I haven't been incredibly social lately, just to due to working on a lot of things. Um, in addition to my regular job, my shoot okay. job. You're like your regular job, like you work at a restaurant, so it's like you're just around people all the time. So like I would understand like wanting to like be like when you get home, fuck everybody. I'm just gonna fucking play some video games or something, you know? Exactly. And I don't know, it's with COVID and everything that's happened to, I'm still not like a big crowds person, I guess you could say, but yeah. I invited a bunch of friends over. I was super excited. The new Pokemon came out the night before, so it was just an awesome Weekend previewing it with you actually got me so excited. Um, and I was like, by the end of the show, I was like, holy shit, I've been talking about wrestling for nine hours straight, nonstop. But um, I made scissor me sandwiches, I made a uh, Brit bacon wrapped water chestnuts. Um, I was gonna, dude, I was gonna make fucking elote and do powerhouse cobs, and oh do fucking, God. but I couldn't, they didn't have corn on the cob at the fucking store, so I couldn't do it. And then, That's not um, in season. yeah. Sucks. I couldn't even find like frozen ones though. But uh Chris Jarrah chips and dip. Um, and then I just had orange Cassidy snacks and it was just a huge bowl of edibles. Um, and only like two of my friends showed up out of like the 12 that RSVP'd. Um, so I was very close to being fucking peepaw with the hamburgers. So it was very nice that they showed up and a couple came through later on. But it, it made me realize how special wrestling is, you know, whether you're alone with a very small group of friends or in a massive crowd and full gear. I think AEW pay-per-views. I'll go ahead and say it right now. When I watch WWE, it feels like I'm watching a movie. That's not necessarily bad, right? When I watch AEW, I feel like I'm watching a, like a concert. Like I feel like I'm part of a show with uh, WWE. It always feels like I'm behind the screen. If that makes like sense. And that's not watching bad. the show, but you're not a part of the show. Exactly. So I think that I always get that with good AEW shows, bad AEW shows. It's like I'm standing in the fucking corner of the venue. Like, I don't want to be here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and like, it's like, for whatever reason, it's like a Thursday night and they put seven bands on and your buddy's band, who's the local, like, hey, you guys are going to headline so everybody stays. And you're like, motherfuck, why'd you do this to me? Yeah. And there's just one like, Five two dude who's tried to beat you up twice, just spin kicking alone in the middle of the pit, like like in between songs. He's like, get the fuck up, and like that's like the one AEW fan that's like hyping up a factory uh, feud. But um, yeah, no, I mean AEW. I think to me, I want to say Double or Nothing was one of my least favorite pay per views of the year. I think it really, really suffered from more than anything match structure, like a card structure. Mm-hmm. Not not match structure, but um, card structure, because that's how you dictate a show's pace. I thought All Out was such an improvement on that, and I don't think this one quite improved. But I didn't feel the length as much as I did in Double or Nothing. But I thought All Out was a bit more well paced. Um, but yeah, I thought overall it was a good pay per view. Yeah, yeah. I think it had peaks and valleys. I think. A couple matches definitely just didn't need to be here. Um, but the stuff that AEW pay per view. Yeah, it's like you don't like because I I was watching it was just uh, Jenna and Brady who've both been on the show, and our stream was just absolute butt. So it was pretty much just us hanging out, and I was cooking food, and so we kind of just 
piece together some of it. Then I watched it the next day, and I felt like like we got to the end of the the Tony Storm match. I'm like, oh my god, finally, it's uh, the main event. And then like the acclaimed match comes up. Acclaimed. And I'm like, I'm like, what the fuck? What? Like, why is there 48 matches? Also, probably because it felt like I was trying to watch the same pay per view. Like we watched, like try to watch it all through the end. We're like fuck it, whatever. Then like go to bed, and we wake up, and we're kind of just doing some shit. And like, hey, let's watch the pay per view now. So it felt like like for sixteen straight hours, I was just trying to watch this one show. So it felt like it went on forever. Um, but like some of the stuff that was good was really good, and again, just some of it didn't need to be there. Uh, you can cut four matches from this show, and it would have been such a better paced show. And it's probably just, and it would have just not been as long. There's one thing that I think that the, a lot of the shitty pandemic era WWE shows did was they made me like it's like, well, at least it's only two and a half hours long. <laughs> so maybe just give us like three and a half hours, and I'd be fucking so stoked. Because like you got matches like the the six man, I'm fucking all in for it. I mean. You get like the opener. I loved the opener, Jungle Boy. Let's, Jack let's go through them. Let's go through them. Yeah. Okay, real quick. What are the four matches you cut? I got mine. Okay, four matches I would cut is Jade Cargo match. Um, I would cut the um, Sting Sting match, tag match, and then I'd probably cut um, the Jericho match. Even though like that match ended up being really good, I feel like you could if you're gonna do like. A Ring of Honor pay per view coming up, like a final battle, like have that be like that. That seems like a final battle, like main event, especially with the star power you have on it. You try to sell that; those would be what I would cut. All right, I uh, I see your Sting match. Obviously, I I we're we're very much in a pattern now with these pay per views and Sting matches, and like every single time, people are like oh, I'm loving it, and I'm like it's fun, but I'm like, damn, dude, like. It really is the same match every time. Um, but yeah, Darby and Sting, I would cut. I'd cut the ROH match only because I think that if you put that on a Rampage, that makes Rampage like, I'm going to watch that show next week. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you put like, the, like that Jericho Danielson Claudio match on Rampage. It's like, well, fuck, looks like I'm watching Rampage. You know yep. what I mean? Um, so what? That's two. Darby got mm-hmm. Jericho, Jade and Nyla. I put that on Dynamite. Okay, hear me out. I put that on Dynamite is a main event. Add like another eight minutes to it, but have it be so fucking crazy overbooked. Like just break apart all the wrestling, so there's like, no in between. <laughs> like Vicky fucking hits like one of the baddies with the low rider or something. Exact, dude. Yeah, you integrate the car. You do all this crazy shit. Have fucking. Jade use a Thundercat sword, you know, just go really all out. Yeah, but this was full gear, wasn't all out. It's true. All right, and then I have to cut one more. Mm-hmm. Shit. Um, TNT title. Yeah, I mean, if you just cut, like, yeah, I feel like that makes sense. Especially because, like, I almost, I feel like those are, like, Almost like they should be TV titles, you know? And it's like, put it on TV. Like, that's a, that'd be such a sick, like, Dynamite main event for, like, one of your themed shows, like, A Winter is Coming. Have that as the main. That's fucking cool. 
I think so. The thing with the TNT title, right, is that it's the TV title essentially, but it's not defended on TV anymore like it once was, right? So yeah. the fact that it's not defended on TV makes it like, okay, goddamn, can we please get it on a pay per view? Because we have it in forever. And then it doesn't even go on the pay per view, too. So it's severely devalued. But I feel like if it was back in that, you know, at least bi weekly open challenge sort of gimmick, um, you'd get a lot more you know, fire underneath it. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, all right. Should we start zero hour? I fucking watched it all. All right. Okay. Live so, from the Prudential Center, Newark, New Jersey, USA. Mm. Oh my God. The crowds, crowds going crazy. Hey, all uh, wrestling. So you lived in New York. Uh, how far is Newark from like New York? Right A lifetime. Is it? No, it's like an hour-long bus ride. Okay, no, I'm like just wondering the uh, like the distance on that. Uh, we got Best Friends, Orange Cassidy, Azucar, Rocky Ramiro, and some other guy against The Factory. Aaron Solo, Cole Carter, Lee, Shoddy Johnson, uh, Nick Comoroto, and QT Marshall. Lee Johnson, I always feel bad for because he's the guy I always bring up. Like when I'm like, when I'm just trying to think of a guy that's just like a guy, it's mostly because his name is Lee Johnson. It's like the most generic sounding name, and he's just a guy. I'm like, yeah, Lee Johnson, like, you know, whoever those guys are. So, yeah, my bad, Lee Johnson. You're probably a. Howdy Lee guy. sounds a lot sicker. Even Shoddy Johnson sounds way sicker. Yeah. But just Lee Johnson. But then, the, but then there's Cole Carter, two dimes. It was a uh, Troy, two dimes Donovan. Hey, so who's Zach Clayton? Because I thought that they were the same person. Zach Clayton is the reality. He is uh, dating Jay Wow from uh, Jersey Shore. Okay. Um, I didn't really watch this match. I'll be honest. I was finishing the uh, bacon wrapped water chestnuts. Oh, well, at yeah, this fair. moment. Um, um, I watched a little bit. Um, I liked what I saw. Her Danhausen came out, had a bunch of suplexes. What were your thoughts on Danhausen? So he's going back a little bit more to like the before, like the really geeky Danhausen. I don't like Danhausen. Um, like that's a, I don't know if that's a hot take for you, but um, I think like I feel bad because the best friends are just like perpetually just stuck in this spot, and I. I've loved them for since they've been a thrown together team on like that one Bola show. And like, it was like them and somebody that we can't talk about. And they fought like B boy and like some other fucking people. And Tony Nice was the referee for whatever reason. Um, it was like a weird, it was like the, the Bola after Trent got released from the fed. And I've just, for whatever reason, really liked them. They're always just kind of stuck there. Um, and so, yeah, it was fun. I love Rocky Romero. I can just I wish he'd go away. It, a lot of it's a lot of it's also because the fans of Dan Housen. They're just it's just like they're so nerdy, and everything was Housen for like a minute, and I just got sick of it. He's probably a super nice guy. Um, I got no ill will towards Donovan Dan Housen. But yeah, um, this was this match happened, and uh, Trent's always in really good shape. I'm just I'm waiting for us to. I said a little bit of a Trent singles run at some point. 
I would really love that. I was hoping he'd be the one to take the All-Atlantic title because I know that New Japan really loved him back in the day, and I thought that would be great, and he's someone you can send over for Wrestle Kingdom. For just, like, you could have put him in a banger match with, like, Shota Umino or someone, you know? Yeah, like he's um, a great guy, especially for some of those, like, cards, like, where it seems like there's just a billion six-mans or eight-man tags. Like, you could at least put him in a singles, like, with one of the young guys, and he'd go and do this stupid fucking bump over the rope to nobody and just fucking kill himself to make like, like red Narita look really good. You know, excited for Narita and Saber, but uh, yeah, not yeah. really much to say about this match. What's next? Um, before we move on, you always forget like how like just thick cutie Marshall is. He's just a big guy. That's it. I got nothing else to say. He's just kind of a bigger guy and you don't like notice it. Cause like, when he stands next to Nick Camarado, you're like, oh, that guy's fucking crazy looking. But then, like, if he's standing just next to, like, small Dan Housen, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, he actually is a big guy. I get it. Uh, speaking of big guys, we got Brian Cage with Prince Nana of the Embassy. All you Ring of Honor fans out there. Um, gets, he gets beat by Ricky Starks. Absolute Ricky Starks. Um... Yeah, I mean, this, I feel like they, you know, this was a huge, huge feud back in the day. And I feel like I completely forgot about that. And maybe that speaks to the match and what it was lacking. Yeah. Um, it didn't have that ferocity. I will say I thought Starks looked like an absolute star. Like everything he does from his entrance to the way he carries himself, his movement in the ring. You know, the way he hits the camera, his the movement between the phenomenal. notes, even like, yes, the exactly the stuff that actually makes the music work. And, um, I liked the ending. Um, it's funny for Starks using a like spear and stuff like that, but, um, <laughs> yeah, no, because he he won with the Rochambeau, right? Yeah, yeah, I thought it was super impressive how he got Cage up. Like, the people at my house, when Cage came out, were like, what? They were kind of, like, freaked out by him and, like, how large he was. And, um, but... He's shorter it, than you think, though. That's that's why they were weirded out. So, <laughs> they're like, oh, my God. Because they were both like, we're taller than him. Holy shit. Um, but his cheek muscles... Like, he has cheek muscles. It's like, what the fuck? Um, he probably just chews on, like, little weights. Yeah. Um, he puts like a shake weight in his mouth and just like puts it back and forth. Like a small <laughs> little bar on his lip, like one, two, yeah. three. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm very happy Starks won. I, I will say, looking forward, if Starks loses on Wednesday, then I really, really wish that they would have put that on this show and taken one of the matches off because I think having Starks lose after essentially doing his whole tournament in 24 hours would be a lot better story than him just losing on Wednesday. Um, I think which makes the me winner, win. winner of the main event, like I would, there's one match I'd rather see, but like there's a built-in story for the other way. So that's why I'm, I'm it's tough to say, but I, I definitely think Ricky would be the better option. Also, like you just got to start putting him up there with those guys. Even if he loses, like, Showing that he's in there with them will make him then come across more like a star because he needs to because the dude is a star. 
He's like, he's just like, he's a star in the like, wait, like, just in the fucking waiting room. Just fucking call him in. Yeah. Um, Kingston versus Jun Akiyama. I loved it. I, this is one of my favorite matches on the show. Um, admittedly, this, this did I'm so a... much more for me than the, the tag the night before. Like, by far, but I understood why they did it the did it that way. So then they couldn't make this match. Yeah, no, and I mean that was I was so scared too because of course they weren't going to announce it until the last minute. But when I saw the mm-hmm. tag match announced, I was like, that has to be the build for the singles. Um, so I mean, this alone was when I did my fantasy promotion. This was the main event of my first show. So for me, this is like a true, true dream match. Obviously not for as much as it is for Eddie Kingston, but yeah, I mean, we were very, very spoiled with this. I was hoping that they were going to go a lot longer. My pipe dream was that they were going to go through as the pay-per-view started. They're like, you got to buy the pay-per-view now. You got to see who wins this slugfest or whatever, right? Um, do something different. But as uh, Eddie Kingston pre-show matches typically do now, it totally delivered. And That's the um, Kingston spot. <laughs> Yeah, I hope he gets back on the main card soon. Same here. But, uh, yeah, I loved the interaction at the end. Like, that's one of those moments that makes you, like, it resonates and you're like, this is what wrestling's all about. Uh, the connections throughout history, you know, the way it's like getting to watch Michael Jordan play with LeBron James, right? You just don't get those moments in other sports uh, for mm-hmm. better or worse in some scenarios, right? Yeah. Um so it was just great. I was very surprised that Kingston did the job to Akiyama. Um, that had to be such a wild shock for him. And yeah, this this was just so different than anything else in the card, and I was very happy for it. Yeah, and it's one of those things that, like, I don't think you necessarily need, like, or especially, like, for a pre-show match, you don't need to have, like, super elaborate stories or something. Sometimes for, like, one of these ones, okay, like, here you go. Here's just something cool for you. And that's some, that's sometimes like for me, all I want, like especially on a pre-show match. Hey, just give me something cool sometimes, and I'll be happy. And I was. They hit all the high notes, um, the ones you'd expect. You know, not so much as cliche as it is like the exciting signatures, um, the suplex exchanges, the strikes. Um, just all of it, you know, the pacing, it was great. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then we get to our main card. It is Jungle Boy Jack Perry, Jungle Man, Jungleman, versus Luchasaurus with Christian Cage. So these guys watched Hell in a Cell, Shawn Michaels, Undertaker from 97, Bad Blood, Satane debut one. And they're like, we're going to go do that. And they fucking did. And it was great. I loved it. Jungle Boy, Jack Perry. I love that they're just make, they're calling him Jack Perry now. Um, he gets a really good signature win. Um, I think they've kind of been really elongating the story way longer than it should be. I feel they've been also kind of sitting, putting him on a back burner as far as like where you could really elevate him to. But this was great. I thought they both worked really hard. Luchasaurus worked his fucking dink off with the bum arm, his bum right arm, his dominant hand. So, um, yeah, I thought it was awesome. I thought Jungle Boy looked great. 
he fucking was bleeding everywhere. And then the final moment where he like gets up on the cage to do the elbow drop, fucking picks up. That's prime right there. That's good stuff. That's real. That's prime rib on the Traeger right there. Um, right. That's some emotional meat. Yeah, yeah I think um, this set the, uh, a common theme for the show, which was matches that I just wasn't excited for completely over delivering. Um, this was great. And as you said, Shawn Michaels versus Kane, right? Uh, versus Undertaker, but it's one more Undertaker. Kane use. Okay, yeah, yeah. And um, I really liked how that was mentioned in the post-media scrum and the way that Jungle Boy talked about it because they were like, are there shorts a tribute or whatever? And he was like, yeah, it's uh, Luchasaurus' favorite match. So, And then he said, so I did it to like stick it to him, which I thought was a really, really great kayfabe way to be like, yeah, that's what we did. But I did it as a fuck you, right? But you know, in the back, like, oh, we're going to do it, brother. <laughs> and um, and then it's like a, a way for like Jungle Boy, like Jack Perry, like the friend of Luchasaurus, to be like, hey, well, I'm going to give you this because this is your favorite match. I'm going to give you that match for your career. Yeah. And um, they have fantastic chemistry. The story went on way too long, but this is a huge victory. And that, you know, when we look back at the Luchasaurus Jungle Boy feud, you're going to remember this cage match, not the previous three months, right? Um, I'll remember like the, the previous three months, but it's like, it's like if you go to a restaurant and the service is just awful, they're messing everything up, but you get that fucking plate and you're like, all right, this was fucking good. Exactly, but it's like when you talk about it, you're going to mention that plate of food first before anything yeah. else, right? Like it was um, fucking great, but also then the waiter took a shit on the table. <laughs> His name was Nello. It wasn't. It wasn't. Um, but yeah, I thought this match was just really, really good. Like I'll start going star ratings. I gave it a four point two five. I thought it like completely over delivered. They worked so well together. No, like I think with a lot of cage matches, you get a lot of dysregulation mm-hmm. in terms of like there's just no real rhythm to it. It's kind of a lot of walking around, spot, spot. But this one, like again, it, they had all the music between the notes. The character work was sound. They really laid it the fuck into each other. Um, the story came through here in the story being their relationship and the hatred. Uh, I loved the ending cage dive. Uh, what I especially liked about it is the way that Jungle Boy came down. And I mean, he completely like his elbow hit him right in the chest, but he his body completely missed that table, you know, his ass um, hurt so bad. <laughs> yes. But the way that his elbow hit and then it was almost <laughs> like there was like that split second. And then the table just completely collapses under Luchasaurus. And like a William Regal this for a second, but what I loved about it is that it almost felt like a like a hollow point, like pink or something like that, where you know in those anime shows where like someone flicks their finger and just like hits them in the chest and they're like, ha, huh, a second passes and then they like explode. It was like that kind of thing where like he absorbed the hit and then it like exploded behind him. Um so obviously not planned, but for me I really, really liked that visual. Um, so yeah, I, I'm excited that Jungle Boy 
is, you know, explicitly voiced essentially that he's going to be moving on to different things. Uh, I'm excited to see what those things will be. Um, and I still think that Luchasaurus is a super formidable giant monster. I imagine he's going to take some time off TV with Christian now since they're both got bum arms. Yeah. And uh, I hope that when he comes back, he changes his name. Like if he's going to stay heel, I think it's one of those times where you change a character's name because you're going to know who he is and you can still do a dinosaur name and you can still sell merch with that dinosaur name. But Luchasaurus is just, it's very Pee Wee Herman to me. And it's hard for me to take a badass named Luchasaurus. It's me. I'm going to kick your ass. Oh, what's your name? Luchasaurus. Oh, okay, bud. All right, buddy. Whatever you say there, (laughs) bud. (laughs) <laughs> and he, okay next match is the this was the one that i was this was worth the price of admission alone for me um it's a it was a pwg match through and through um death triangle versus the elite the elite just fucking making dads everywhere fucking stoked i'm gonna have to kansas carry on my wayward son um dads everywhere in their garage with a fucking hood popped on the car and a nice cold beer on the fucking side right there. Fucking wipe their hands with a rag and we're like, hell yeah, brother. Somebody's playing the tunes. Um, yeah, I thought this match, it just, well, I don't like, we talk about this like when we're reviewing shows. Um, sometimes it's just really hard to talk about matches that are really good because it's just like, what else do you say besides, yeah, it was awesome. Like, it was great. Like, Pack versus Keddy, I just want to see I want to see them wrestle a lot. Like fucking Ray Phoenix and Nick Jackson. Like I wanna see them just wrestle a lot. Matt Jackson and Penta, those are kind of the odd men out, but I like how they were like, these are the older brothers. And like that's like the story they're kind of telling with them. So it's kind of like those lucha matches where a six man becomes three separate matches. And yeah. it was just cool. Um loved it. They are so good, the elite proved as to why that they are called the elite they were off tv for a couple months and then just show back up and just were like yeah we're just gonna fucking just kill it and they did and brandon cutler was there butt master um yes i loved the carry on my wayward son i thought that was awesome the return felt so important it felt like AEW, and I think that that's something AEW has struggled with for a very long time. Uh, you know, the I'll say the most, like, probably even a good before, amount of time this year. So even before they left, like, something just had been seeming off. No, totally. I would say, like, a good amount of time this year. It's just been so many. It, you know what it's like? Remember New Japan when it was, like, Abushi gets hurt with the title. Title Osprey gets hurt with the title, and Shingo gets the title. And it's like Shingo's a solid champion, but it just feels fucking off, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, because you're in this timeline that you were never meant to be in, and that feels weird, right? It's mm-hmm. like you know when one of your favorite shows they were supposed to have three more seasons, and then they're told, "Hey, you have one more, and then you're canceled." Okay, so now you have to do three seasons in one, and it's just like, where are we now, dude? Um, but yeah, no, it felt like AEW again. And I was so, so grateful for that. Um, I expect so much from these matches and 
it was funny because anytime I watch one of them after, I'm like, huh, that was good. And I feel like we're so spoiled. Um, and the fact that they're doing a best of seven series now has me so unbelievably excited. Like, so unbelievably excited because... I'm so intrigued. I would also give this one, like, a 4.25. Like, I know that they have a better one in them. Like, much, many more better ones. I feel like this was the teaser, and it was the best possible teaser, right? Because they lay down the story and the framework. You know, Kenny getting the first pin is, or taking the first pin is wild. Um, Phoenix with the hammer, just a really great storytelling device uh, alone with that. Um, As you said, the three different matches, you know, it's each guy's best opponent. Um, And the history is beyond like what you need for a good feud. So I think that this is something that AEW's really been missing. Um, like this to me is so much more interesting than a world title eliminator tournament, right? Yeah. Because this is something I don't know how these guys' bodies are gonna be after this. Um, like who fuck knows. Not not but, good. Not good is the answer. <laughs> but this I mean really has the potential to be an all-time feud. And, uh, yeah, I'm incredibly excited for what's to come. Thought it was a great match. Yeah, it is. Like, just, um, I don't know. It's, like I said, it's sometimes ha- so hard to talk about, like, stuff that like, is really good because it's, like, at the end of the day, it's, like, it just was really good. And, like, if you haven't watched the show, first off, like, who the fuck are you listening to a wrestling podcast like this niche? And you haven't watched this show? You're weird. Um, but it just was really good. And I love, like, all of Death Triangle, I love the Elite. I will go break out my old Elite shirt and put it on. And then we go to Jade Cargill with the baddies, Sarah Hogan and Layla Gray. She defeats Nyla Rose with Marina looking like a Chola and Vicky Guerrero. And they I, did you see my text during the show? Uh probably, but like I, I just like put my phone down and was just like, what is happening? I sent you one text the entire show, and all it was was, what are your thoughts on Chola Marina? <laughs> oh, my God, that really was. Yeah, I was, like, <laughs> cooking food. Honestly, I didn't mind it. Once I realized, I was like, oh, my God. It was just very funny. It was um, very funny. Uh this match, I mean, there's not really a lot to say. It's your par for the course, Jade Cargill pay-per-view match. Um, again, Jade Cargill has every single thing that a superstar needs. And sometimes that's not wrestling ability. And that's why I say she does have everything she needs to be a superstar. Um, and hopefully she becomes a good wrestler as well. But I mean... I'm always excited to watch her matches regardless, just because she is sort of a attraction, like a must-see attraction, I think. Um, because the way she carries herself, her character work, her presence. Um, I mean, if she had the abilities in the in-ring ability of Bianca Belair, like fucking Bailey, Becky Lynch, anyone else, like <laughs> Jesus, you could. It would be like a complete she, fucking game changer. She would have been, like if she had the like because I feel like Bianca has like a lot of what she has, but then she can also wrestle. 
They're both powerhouse styles, right? Mm-hmm. But they uh, can do like some athletic shit. Yep. And um, I mean, but Bianca, again, she's able to string together the shit between the notes. Um, she's able to play the music in between. And she's a lot faster in the ring. I mean, I, we don't need to get into this, but it's just um, for people who wrestle very similar styles, I think that, you know, and even someone like Nyla Rose, I would say, who's, you know, not phenomenal by any means, but I think she's able to do a lot more big spot work. She's able to like, you know, she works with powerhouse spots really well. Yes. And like Jade, sometimes just like the powerhouse spots don't hit because of what's surrounding it. It's like good meat and moldy bread. Um, (laughs) You know, I got, I got something that will be a, It'll make sense here, but it'll probably like fuck some people up at first. There's one person that Jade Cargill needs to study every single match of. It's one person. Rebel. Who? Rebel. Besides Rebel, that's everybody. That's just wrestlers in general. Uh, no, it's um, Brock Lesnar. Because she can't sell. That's the thing, but she never has to. <laughs> Brock is one of the best sellers in all of wrestling. I will I will die on that hill. If you've seen him like like remember the WrestleMania 31 match where he is like stumbling, he's on roller skates when Roman starts like firing up, hitting those big moves and punches. Um he can sell so well, but for the most part he never has to. He's a badass, he's big and but he can move. Everything kind of like correlates with her as well. But she needs to be able to sell because like there was one in particular where she was draped on the ropes, and she's fixing her hair, putting her gear back up, and then it <laughs> comes off with that knee, and I'm like, oh, don't do this. And then she just lied <laughs> on the ground, like for no. And but like minute. to me, I'm like, those are simple fixes. Put her on the second rope, right? Because then she's actually like draped over it. She can be on her knees or whatever, and it's not as weird where she has to like pretend she's over, but she needs to um, get they this is one of the reasons why they need house shows or just something. So then she can learn how to do that not on TV or not on training matches or not on pay-per-view. Because yeah. that that's that's just where you really get it because you need that crowd reaction. Because yeah, you can have fucking QT there like nice job. No, if you have people that are actually reacting, then you learn how to really, like, oh, they didn't respond to this, and maybe I need to play it up a little bit more this way, or they really like this, so I'm going to really lean into that Lean into that next time. It's like when fucking Tanahashi, like when he's selling and he's reaching for those ropes and people are just screaming for him to get it, it's like you feel it, you know? Yep. You need to get something like that with her. And I think and, if sorry. you can put that together with like with her, get her the big power moves, Get that music between the notes. As you know, it's like you, you play the open breakdowns, but you got to have the dis- dissonance in there too. You got to have the and so that's what she needs. She needs that kind of stuff. No one's been able to have that remarkable match with her yet. I thought I liked her and Athena. I thought Athena worked her fucking ass off in that she match. Tried she tried real not hard. Stop, stop for a second. But no one's been able to get that great match out of Jade yet. Um, you know, I think that's also because not a single woman from the main event scene has ever interacted with Jade, really. Um, and, 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 yeah, I was going to say, yeah, to your point, it doesn't help. That, like, every match she has, you know she's winning. No, and that's the thing, is that you need suspense. You need someone chasing, right? 
And I think that's Willow, but Willow's gone right now. I think Willow's the person to take it off. Something I was going to say, um, I feel like that's been a common theme in, you know, newer wrestlers. Um, you know, people with backgrounds in wrestling and fighting are able to sell so much better off the bat than athletes. Like, because it almost feels like for athletes, it's a physical response, right? Like, I'm going to plop on my back. But for people who have been thrown the fuck around, for people who have been shook, knocked out, worked, stretched, like, they know the emotional, like, response, right? And that's when you get the Ishii stuff, the mental, you know, the physiological when their fingers twitch and stuff like that off like a stinger and the, oh, the little the things, right? Who's fucking best at that? It's Terry Funk. Mm. Terry Funk could sell and make you feel for him. That was one of the cool things about old Terry is that it wasn't like the big, I'm going to use this person um, to show an example. They're probably a great person. They are so full of energy. It's uh, NXT superstar Thea Hale. She is so animated and it is over the top. It's ridiculous. And she takes a bump and like, ah, throws her hands up in the air. I don't know if you've ever hit the fucking ground before or gotten slammed down. I never would f- sprawl around like that. It probably went to go, oof. And that's how, like what you're saying, fighters and people who've kind of come from that background, they know how it really feels to get really slammed down hard, so that's how they sell it. And they put yeah. a little extra stank on it because you have to, for the cameras, for all that. But it's like, you can be like, ooh, that one hurt. Instead I mean, of like, instead of a cartoon. Bergson, Henri Bergson, I've been reading this, broke memory into two sections. Habit and image. Habit being like, Oh, I'm going to, when I fall on my back, I bump on my back and I go, ow, right? That's my response. Image is I got thrown on my fucking back once and it took the entire wind out of me, you know? And it feels like that's the difference. People who are doing this from, you know, that's their rehearsed spot to people who are like, you know, living this shit, right? Yeah. Um, Arwich title. So they, um, I, I like this match more than I want to, just because I don't like a couple of the people in it. <laughs> but I thought they did a great job telling the stories. There's multiple stories intertwined all into one. Brian Danielson is just the best. He is so good. Everything he does is so crisp. His kicks feel like they look so good. I love Taz talking about the torque in his uh, lower body, and that's how he generates the power. Is it not just because he's throwing his one leg hard? It's because he's twisting and using the torque on his like his hips and everything, because that is how it works in real fighting. That's how you generate power. And I love when you integrate that. Um, the Sammy and Jericho stuff I thought was was compelling. I think they almost changed the match from to final battle should now be Sammy versus Jericho for the title um, instead of Danielson versus Jericho. Maybe have the young guy be the Ring of Honor champion and develop that under him because, like, hey, this is where the young guys are and this is where we're going to use the develop. Great spot to have him. Um, Claudio, I think, needs to get out of the Ring of Honor scene, move him over to the more AEW side of things because it almost feels like a regression for him. And it just feels like he's cooled off from like the moment he stepped in there till now. 
That guy is so fucking talented, and he's so insanely strong. And he also like, towers over the people there, and it's hilarious. He was just like a kind of okay hype guy in WWE, and he comes here, he's like, oh, this guy's a massive person. But yeah, it was a good match. I enjoyed it. I don't want. I didn't. I didn't want to. Um. Yeah, I mean, this again, much like Jungle Boy Luchasaurus, I was just really didn't care for this match yeah. going in. Um, I felt like it was going to be a great match. It really was. This had like a really good three act structure to it. They laid this out so well. It earned its time, but never felt long. Um, and it went for a long time too. And out of the longer matches, that, that was the one that felt like it was perfectly paced. Yeah. Um, they just knew when to turn it up, when to slow it down. The people that were missing, you weren't like, where's Cesaro? It's more like because you're really drawn into what's happening in the ring. Um, you were talking about Taz on the commentary, and I, I wanted to say, just in general, AEW commentary is one of the things that I look forward to the most when I watch because Tony Taz and Excalibur are so funny together. Like they just have so much fun. It and doesn't make sense and it shouldn't work, but it's like um it's, it's great. Uh, because like Tony is just like almost like a happy to be there, just enjoying himself. Excalibur's like a fucking is the encyclopedia, and then there's Taz just talking about Yambag Jones. Yambag Jones? Just saying his weird fucking Tazisms, and it just kind of gives it a lightheartedness, but then when he talks about, like, technique and things, you listen to him. So it isn't just, like, a super boring guy talking about technique. It's like there's a real person behind that that's kind of fun, and then he's like, oh, but this guy knows his shit, too. Um, yeah, he looks like Diglett. He, he is Diglett, actually. <laughs> um, all right. Yeah, and I mean, okay, I will say, I think that Sammy Jericho in Final Battles much more compelling than Danielson because I think Danielson, Cesar, uh, Claudio both need to get away from this title scene as well. Hopefully, ROH launches in, like, January or something with its own show. And I think that if you launch it with Sammy and Garcia... That way you still retain, you know, Claudio, Jericho, Brian on your main show. And it would make sense that Sammy's not in the Jericho Appreciation Society anymore, but you'd still have that feud. And then you'd have that feud already built between him and Garcia. So it, it really writes itself in that sense. And, and I think, too, it kind of gives that to that spirit of Ring of Honor of yesteryear. of Like, it's these young guys... Danielson back in that day, 17 years ago, um, like when he was like going there, or like the Roderick Strongs of the world, um, like 10 years ago, or 10 years, like 20 years ago, 15 years ago, however long ago, like those were the guys that were like making waves and it was like a step up. And like, like it, it just, you need the young guys there. Yeah, you had the Jerry Lynn's of the world coming in and shit, but. Pepper it in with them sporadically. Samoa Joe's a great representative, let's just say. Have him be the, the Terry Funk in ECW, and everybody else is young and new, and you have to go and defeat like the fucking final boss, and that's Samoa Joe. 
I'm so bummed he won the TNT title. We'll get to it because I we'll am too, to and Brady was so bad. I mean, we can we can honestly just speed through Soraya and uh, Britt I, real quick. Yeah, so um, <laughs> Soraya defeated Britt Baker. They were trying to have the big epic 40 kickout matches, but it just wasn't there. Um, it wasn't going to be there, and I think that it should have. Like I heard, who the fuck was I? It was probably Brian Alvarez. He was just saying that the story he would have told is that Britt wins because Soraya is just getting there, and it was kind of a sloppier match. But it's like, oh, I'm back, and I'm not there yet, but I will get there because they kept talking about the ring rust, how she isn't there, been five years, but then she just beats like the former champion. It, it really plays into that. It's like, well. She was ex-fed, so like she's better, and that was a story they were telling, like for whatever reason. And then they proved it, and they shouldn't have done that. But that's just me. I'm probably just I picking think, it apart for no reason. No, winning makes or puts her in a worse place than uh, losing would have. Losing puts know. her. I mean, like Abushi, right? In the G1 first match, mm-hmm. loses to Yujiro. The whole story then is he has to really focus on coming back. And then he wins every match and he goes to the finals again. Like, that's a story. Now, Soraya's like essentially a number one contender. But we know, like, and admittedly, like, she even said in the post media scrum, like, I wasn't good tonight. I was really rusty. Um, and it's hard. Like, it sucks to have that spotlight so sudden. Um, I can't imagine, especially when maybe you don't feel up to it, but hopefully now she's able to, you know, and again, like they really danced around everything in a way that felt like, let's not kill her. Um, it just seemed slow. It seemed very deliberate. Um, it, 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 this was what I told Jenna when we were watching it. It's like, Edge comes back in 2020, has that amazing fucking Royal Rumble return. And then like, I enjoyed it because this, I'm an unapologetic Edge fan, but the wrestling critic in me will tell you that that fucking Mania match they had was so slow and Randy Orton pace. And, and that's what dude, like, you nothing get that stands Randy out Orton, from it. You get the Randy Orton match like as like your first like singles match. That's what this felt like. It was like her going against a Randy Orton. It's slow. It's deliberate. It's uh, what do they always say? Methodical. <laughs> No, and, like, it was just, like, there's not a single thing that stood out from this. I can't remember a single spot. And, like, what's funny is that the, um, what match was before this? The the ROH, yeah. That match was almost twice as long as this. And everyone was very into that. And it was all, like, friends that weren't into wrestling, never watched wrestling, and they loved that match. And, dude, like, halfway through this one, they were like, how long is this one? And I was yeah. like, "That's wild." Yeah, and it was, uh, it was way shorter. It was, um, it was almost like so. The Jericho match was twenty-one thirty. That match was twelve thirty. So it was a full nine minutes. Yep. And it, yeah, it just, I, I feel really bad because like the microscope is on her, and it shouldn't be. She hasn't wrestled in five years. Um, yeah. They should, they should have cut four minutes from this. And have her almost like not get steamrolled, but just kind of 
get beat a lot. Uh, you could tell she was winded by. You made CM Punk, it. your world champion, get fucking squashed because he broke his foot for three months. She's been out for five years because if she lands on her neck, she's gonna fucking die. And you gotta go thirteen minutes with Brit and win clean. Like <laughs> fuck off. I'm sorry, but fuck. There, there, there it is, dude. That's all I gotta say. TNT title. <laughs> um. I thought this was they. Everybody played their parts really well. I am just so bummed, and it's not because I don't like Samoa Joe. I really like him, and honestly, the call to get that shit off Wardlow is so smart because it just it's stagnant with him because he's just like Jade. Not in the set. I think he actually plays the notes way better. It's more so that like you just know he can't lose. Like you don't. You shouldn't be beating him, and so what bums me out is that I was hoping for a powerhouse Hobbs win. Because that dude just, again, seems so primed and ready to go. And it's been since they, like, I remember this is pandemic days. Remember they before he turned and joined uh, the Taz faction, Team Taz, and he was, like, out with Mox. It's like, oh, fuck, they're doing something with this guy. This is cool. And then it seems like from there, it's been like, and we're going to turn this on low heat. Every now and then we'll bring you up when we need something. Then just Yeah, back. I mean, we... We talked about this before that Tony just does not know how to book giants like in a in a steady way, right? Yeah. Archer, Cage, Hobbs, Wardlow, fucking Miro, all start, stop, start, stop, start, stop, start, stop. They get runs, not stories. He and he books him like you would book Kane in the mid two thousands, like Hey, we need a baby face to get a big win to go fight for the title. So, um, to go fight to go lose a Triple H. So, you're gonna beat Kane first, and then you're gonna go to there. That's what all of like, it's like it wasn't like Moxley's first feud as champion against Archer. Adam Page's first feud as champion was against Archer because you go and you beat the big guy. He disappears yep. for a while, and the next thing you know, you see a bunch of jobbers flying out of the tunnel, and here comes fucking Archer. Hello. <laughs> I wish people could see the way you just walked on your couch. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, I love Joe, but I wish he wasn't in this match. Yeah. Um, and like taking Wardlow or the title off Wardlow makes the most sense. MJF is champion. Obviously, Wardlow should not be held down by anything else. He needs to immediately start hovering around MJF, right? Um, and have and... MJF duck him for like a year. No, exactly. But I think not having this title, obviously, is going to immediately make Wardlow's new intentions clear. I just mm -hmm. don't know why Samoa Joe is your guy. Um, it's This feels like a way to consolidate the two TV titles in a way. Yeah. Um, and again, like I can't emphasize how much I cannot care about this Ring of Honor shit. Like, I want to watch Ring of Honor less now than I did before, before Tony owned it. Just because, like, I want to watch AEW. If ROH was at its own thing, I'd enjoy it so much more. And I know a million people have said this. But, like, man, I just don't give a shit anymore. Because, like, Samoa Joe winning the title without the TV title would have been more impressive to me. It would have felt more important, right? Mm -hmm. And I think, too, what you could have done here is if you're going to beat Hobbs... Have Wardlow beat Hobbs, right? Yeah. Because you're already going to have MJF's 
next feud for the next month. You have Joe turn on Wardlow after this match, right? And now you have a feud between just Joe and Wardlow. And that can be really good because that whole feud was, what, seven days? Now it's done unless Wardlow challenges Joe. But, like, I enjoyed, too, this tail end of Wardlow's reign where he started fighting Giants. I thought he had really good matches and the opportunities he was given. He was just never given stories. It was that really weird thing where they just pair the champion up with other people and it's like he's not the champion. He's yeah, just like, like he a was, buddy. For whatever reasons, like hanging out with FTR for a while. And then like then they did Warjo. Yep. And like if you're gonna do the turn, like do it in the match where it's like you were saying if you're gonna beat Hobbs, Wardlow fucking smashing him, boom, powerbomb symphony, fucking joking shit can Wardlow, there's just a dead powerhouse Hobbs, one, two, three, and then you can set up the feud between them. And yeah. it gets the title. You can, Joe, you can even have Joe cost Wardlow the title. Yeah. Any something like that. That'd be great. Like, where instead of like like they're having the match, but then like he's about to go for it, boom, hits like the coquina clutch, and then fucking powerhouse Hobbs then can like roll him up. You can get that title off of him, have Hobbs do his own thing, and then have Wardlow go through Joe. Like that'd be cool as fuck. Granted, yep. I don't know if Joe going getting hit with four power bombs is gonna be great for him. But hey. because now if Wardlow has to go back after Joe, he's immediately back in the TNT title picture. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there's no need for it anymore. So it's like, he kind of just got punked. And it's like, you know, uh, anyway, speaking of matches that we got punked for watching the no DQ match. It was punked every, by Jeff Jarrett again. It was every Sting, Darby Allen versus insert people here match you've seen. Um, that's it. That's all yeah. I got for it. It's every single um, one we've seen. The post-match interaction between Darby and Sting. Darby seemed a little withdrawn from Sting. I actually thought he was going to turn on him. I still think that needs to happen um, at this point because it's very much like Darby is with Sting. Like, okay, I need something more. Like, it feels like Darby can't have his own feuds because he's either always involved with someone who wants to go after Sting, or it's like Sting has he, to come and save him from getting exactly, beat up. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And it's like, okay, they need each other. Cool, but they're not a tag team that chases other tag teams. They're just Darby's a singles guy who always winds up in fucking tag matches. Yeah, and I'm and just it's like you could tell like they really want to like utilize Sting for however long they have him. And but it's like at the same time, it's like you're sacrificing Darby. And so, like, you could have them corner each other like the Bucks and Kenny used to do for each other. Then they still have their own separate, like, matches and feuds. That's okay. Yeah. You can do that. Like, that's fine. I'm telling you. I'm, Tony, please, <laughs> listen to me. It's okay. Um, I mean, all, it's, we just don't need the same fucking match every time. How many, how many different versions of this have we seen? Yeah, I'm uh, eight now. I don't know, but... If you look at the structure of the feud, what it like inherently does is it positions Darby is like unimportant because all like the entire build is Darby having a string of singles matches where he's going all out, but those only exist to build to a match with Sting, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like Darby's there to essentially be the cannon fodder to build to a match with Sting, where it's like it's not the singles wins for him that matter. It's not those matches that matter. It's this. And I'm like, that's frustrating. So anyway, something happier. The AEW Women's World title. I really hope 
they just make this linear um, because Tony Storm deserves to have that title run on paper. That was great. Like she really was a must watch on Dynamite every week for. So me. I I knew the ending of the match before I saw it. Um, the full thing, um, just because our stream was bad. Um, watching the entrances, Tony Storm had what I like to describe as boo boo face. Really. She had the Sasha at the Mania where they were losing the titles. She had that look on her face. Um, and it was, it's, and I know it's not because she's losing to Jamie. It's more so, I think that like after everything that had happened, like she was never really like given the opportunity, as you said, as like she was always just the interim champion, kind of talked some shit about Thunder Rosa. And then they're like, hey, we got to pull the trigger over here. Sorry. Thanks for nothing. Peace. Um, Adam was put in a bad position, and and it's one of those things that kind of sucks for Tony because she's really good. And I thought they had a really good match, overbooked as fuck at the end, overbooked. Oh my god, it's like WCW almost ass shit. But at the end of the day, when the one two three happened, people pop. That's what fucking matters. And I thought everything else up until then was really good. But yeah, I feel bad for Tony, like you were saying. Um. She also definitely walked out with some boo-boo face. She was like, oh, fuck, I, have to, I can't believe this is how it ends. Um, yeah, I do not like House of Torture bullshit, but... <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Um, I thought it all looked so good. Like... They needed to do it once. The I think thing with, like... Double was, was, was bad because they, they killed... They, like, oh God, I'm I think something that was exciting for me was that this was the match everyone was the most into, and it was because of that drama, right? So for the casual fan, they're excited because of all the interference and like, oh my God, can they do this? And for me, like, I kind of thrived off that energy, but they did everything to make Tony look like just the most invincible person. Um, Kill the fucking finishes! (laughs) I think that... It's much like MJF winning, right? Where they knew, and everyone said it, they know that these heels are so over that it just does not fucking matter how they win. I liked Britt walking out and then opening up her shirt to reveal the, like, Team Jamie shirt or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought that was very sweet. Um, I think if they wouldn't have done the billion kickouts in the Soraya match, then done, like, obviously... a billion moves like in the, the other matches, it probably would have made this match more. And then, then we get to the next match and they kick out of like a gunshot. Um, um, I, th- I think it's the false finishes when they there's like 40 of them in a show, then like the ones later on in the show don't mean as much because you're like, yeah, they haven't kicked out of a finish yet, or oh, they haven't kicked out of this yet, so I'm not gonna buy in as much. But also, yeah. that's because I watched watched a billion matches before and yeah kind of condition where it's like you're watching with people that maybe not as into watching wrestling so they're gonna be like oh fuck like stomped her on the title threw her back in oh my god she kicked out sometimes you got to revert back into that it, it's all it's all subjective I, at the end of the day I really liked the match it was cool it was yeah, a good moment. i mean i thought that this was I mean, I've really, really liked those tags they've been doing lately with like Tony and Sheeta. Um, 
like and like Jamie and Pritt, like I thought those have just been top tier tag matches. And like that's how your world champion should be booked too. Is like just in like these and like they've done it with Mox a little bit more combat cool uh, combat pool. What com- Blackpool. Blackpool Combat Club? Jesus fucking Christ, dude. Um my goodness. And uh yeah. I don't know. Just I really loved everything about this match. I thought it was probably the best singles match in AEW. Um, like with the exception of the Brit Thunder Lights Out, probably Hikaru Shida versus Ryu Mitsunami. Um, like I thought this was just stupid good. Um, yeah, I loved it. So yeah, I also, also- have a pizza arriving in twenty minutes, so I gotta get done before then. We gotta take a little break, ski. Oh, that's fine. We'll get done before then. Okay. Um, also, this is an aside. Rhea should have fought. It wouldn't have been as much of a marquee match as for like a match match. It probably would have been way better if it would have been Sarai versus Serena Deeb because that would have been a really good person to help lead through a really good match. It probably would have ended up looking a lot better. But the marquee on that, oh, that's like fucking second on the card. So I understand why they did what they did. Match-wise, it would have been better. Uh, Acclaimed defeats Swerve in Our Glory when Keith Lee is a fucking good principal and says no to cheating. Um, I mean, simple the, inversion of what happened before. Again, a common theme. Uh, I didn't mind again, it just because it was... A billion things. Yeah, I think my biggest issue is the, with the match. I like the match. Like, I love the Acclaimed, Swerve in Our Glory feud. I, I'm excited that the Acclaimed are going to get to move past this now. And I feel like now their, feud, their reign really begins. Like, I feel like whenever someone beats the person they beat for the belt right finally finally um like it's like jungle boy jack's single boy like singles run really starts now right yeah. post luchasaurus once they're out of this fog um and it was a good fog so uh but yeah i just i think my biggest problem with the match was just like it was also 20 minutes fucking long swerve should have lost right off that roll-up because there's nothing exciting and it's kind of gross watching baby faces like two on one swerve who's still like whooping them at times, right? Yeah. And then win that way. Like there's nothing exciting about that. And I think that was an interesting contrast, like watching Jamie win after having like three interferences and you're like, hell yeah, good for her. But here it's like the acclaimed are essentially gifted. They don't cheat. But I'm just like, ah, eh, okay. Like it's just like if like it happens. Like he walks out and like you said, just boom, one, two, three. That's how it should be because then those two can now feud and it's going to be like such like, he's like, I lost this because of you. We were about to win, blah, blah, blah. Also, like they had just gotten their asses beat and they were laying there for 60 minutes waiting for them to fucking finally blow off their shit. Then they all of a sudden have all this energy and like hit their big old fucking moves. It's like, no, just like, have him fucking like he has a bum shoulder. It's okay for him to be tired. Just had a twenty yeah. minute match. It's it's fine. Tell me yeah. again. I promise you, it's okay. <laughs> um, Big fan of the show. All right, main event. M. Jeff defeats John Moxley after William Regal tells him, "Don't cheat with that one. Cheat with me." Really good storytelling and storytelling that makes you want to pay attention right um don't use the diamond ring it's that kind of like nice little like the intentionality behind it like when paul Heyman calls 
like, you know, are says the spoiler or whatever, or Moxley calls his shot, right? There's yeah, like these certain big roots. Get my gripe out of the way before. I like yeah. this a lot. Fuck you to a lot of the fans there. Moxley has fucking carried this fucking company through so much shit, and y'all gonna chant some of the shit you were at him? Like, I understand that I am Jeff right now, popular guy, but come on, guys. Like, this guy was literally like he like was just always there, put off his vacation to make sure he could do this. Fucking put himself through hell after his, and then like through his comeback after rehab, carrying the fucking load, being the torchbearer for this, and y'all turning on him like this. Come on, that's my grab. It's just the fans. Match itself was great, but it's like don't be cheering like don't be like chanting like that against Moxley. What did he do to you guys? Give you hours of entertainment. There you go. I need to get that off my chest. No, I'm thank big. you, thank you. Moxley, um, but yeah. I thought Moxley's title reigns like he again he carried the company. I'm like just yeah, and you give him the respect. You can cheer for the other guy, but don't be then booing him, saying "fuck you, Moxley" anything like, like shit like that. No, come on. I mean, I don't really think there's an argument. Personally, for me, for wrestler of the year, I think it's Moxley, undoubtedly. Um, you know, I'll do cuts. I, I, I hold him over Roman just because, I mean, Roman is champion, right? And he is on TV every now and then. And that's not a criticism. But Moxley is supposed to have been going on vacation like three fucking times now. <laughs> And this dude is wrestling on TV every single fucking week, right? He has defused so many bombs. He even did his full GCW run. Um, just Tanahashi, like he is like rarely has so someone so prominently carried a company on their back in the modern day since then, like, like, I feel like even, Cena, you know? And then like not even like really like kind of like where it seems like then people cast it reminds me of Bret Hart. Everybody's just so quick to jump on the next guy, and that next guy was Shawn Michaels. It's like, no, Bret Hart's been the reason that this company's staying afloat. And here's fucking Shawn Michaels, boy toy. You know what I mean? Back in the 90s, maybe that's just me that's equating that. Um, no, I mean, shiny new toy, absolutely. It'll be interesting to see how MJF, where he veers, obviously, he'll, but I don't know. I will um, say I do enjoy the stuff that they do or, um, in AEW where they can kind of have more freedom to then, like, if they were going to be, if they were initially going to have MJF be the heel in the match, but then they switched it and Moxie's working the heel and fiery old Max is coming, working babyface and getting that sympathy just to fuck you in the end. Really like that. That was cool. Yeah. I, going in, because I was giving the backstories kind of to all the matches to my friends. Mm -hmm. um, and with this one, what was most exciting to me was the intrigue of what's going to happen. Because I'm like, okay, so the firm could interfere. On, the backstory you know, fucking sucks. But then the backstory now, sucks, but I'm like, fuck, okay, I'm, you got me. I'm, I'm listening. It's like, I'm listening now. Yeah, it's. Um, the story sucked, but the amount of threads they created in terms of potential endings was like pretty damn good, right? The firm interferes, Regal turns. Uh, does Max cheat with the ring? Does Moxley win clean and extend his reign? You know, like what the fuck's gonna happen? And um, 
I think what happened was flawlessly performed. Like the, it couldn't have been more crisp. Um, and yeah, the match itself was good. Like it's one of those matches where, you know, MJF doesn't do a whole lot, but he does what he does really well. So because of that, I can't remember a lot of the in-ring stuff, but what I do remember is the in-ring story and the story was good. Um, I you know, think I'm, sometimes that can be like, there's matches like the Bucks and uh, Penta and all them. It's like, oh, they did like this fucking, like the big spot where like they did like the triple fucking tombstone and they did the, like the, the triple kip up and they did all this shit. Super kicks to each other's feet, you know, stuff like that. There's no story. Yeah. But like who fucking, like it's just cool moves and you remember that. Unless you remember yeah. feelings, you remember emotions, you remember yeah. all that kind of stuff. And so like, I remember the look on fucking Regal's face. At the end. It's like little things like that. Or where Max begrudgingly fucking tosses the ring out. Like, I can't believe I'm fucking... Like, why am I listening to him? Why am I trying to be, like, a straight-up good guy character? He's the devil. He's not the devil. Regal's the devil. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, and then he fucking... Then like when and Regal's like, go get the referee. Go get the referee. And then... Adds it yep. in. Perfect. Oof. Ah, uh, stuff like um, you remember that, which is cool. Like you want to have stuff that has all of it. That's what makes a good show. You want to have a little bit of everything that works together. I don't think buffet style completely is the way to go because I don't want to have a little bit of shit I don't like but at the buffet. I want to have stuff that's gonna work together, and I think that we got a good amount of that on this show, and this one capped it off pretty well. Definitely. Um, yeah, overall a good show. Um, well, I'm but... really happy that Moxley will get to take some time off. Yes, I'm excited to see show. MJF's title reign more than anything. I just hope he wrestles more. Like, you know, yeah. I just want to see him wrestle more. That's all. Um, but yeah, I liked it a lot. I mean, obviously we'll get to see him wrestle again in a couple weeks, either against Paige or Starks. Um, so yeah, that'll be good. And thank you say, so much for what, what makes me before we sign off is what makes me really happy about Jeff winning is that now I don't necessarily know the ending of the, that match because there is good stories that could be told both of those. So it's kind of cool. Like making it. So it's like, I can see if they would go with Ethan page because of the firm X, Y, Z, or I can see why they go with Ricky Starks. Because of this, this, and that, so it's cool. It just adds just adds a little intrigue to uh, the next shows, and let's. I'm. I think that to no, see where it's gonna go. People always talk about Darby and MJF, but I don't think Darby is a promo, really. Right? He's more of a vignette guy. I think that if you do like Page versus Max is your story. It's your firm versus MJF. It's predictable as shit. I really hope it doesn't happen. To me, the top prospect of the younger it, generation... It, it is. It's an easy one that you can tell. You can exactly. tell in a couple weeks. But you can tell it, like, over time, too, after that, right? Because you can do, like, MJF having to go through the whole firm or whatever. But, you know, my pipe dream is Starks wins because I think that, along with MJF, the top young guy is Starks. Like, there are no other complete packages, like... Jack can wrestle, Darby can wrestle, but they can't promo like these two guys can. And to me, I'm like Starks versus MJF is like your next generational feud. 
in my opinion, like it has the potential to be. Imagine those promos. Like there are few other people on the roster who can eviscerate someone without sounding so corny. Like it's, um, I think it has a lot of potential. I really hope we get that. Um, just to plant seeds down the line and to see Starks get in that position, I would really, really love. And if I'm, um, if I'm Tony, I don't put Starks in that position. I know that there is a guy with a sledgehammer over in Connecticut who has a certain Rhodes in his ear that is really good friends with Ricky Starks. And that is somebody that I could see at the new regime. If he doesn't get a shot over there in Jacksonville, he could be leaving because I would too. If, it, if it's not, if you're not getting it, go somewhere else. And that's what one of the things I am enjoying now that the fact that like WWE is going to be more open to a lot of different types of wrestlers and not just uh, the Braun Breakers of the world is that I want to see people go both ways. I, I don't want to have like everybody just the same, every like there for 10, 15 years. No, like go over here. Do something cool, then go back over here and go over like switch it up. That'd be cool. And yeah. having like I don't know, I would be Tony Khan. I'm needing I'm putting shit into Starks. I would have done it a long time ago. I think we're both of the same mind that we've kind of known. I wouldn't have stopped him as much as he's been stopped. Um, but if he I, I just would be worried that if I don't do it now, he's gonna go somewhere else to go do it. Who knows? But uh I'm excited for dynamite, so I got to get my pizza, but thanks for having me on, Hoot. No problem on. And thank you for listening. This is uh, Genuine Russell Boys. I never, close the, I never close these out, and I usually never open them to you, so I don't know what to do. Like, I'm just scared. Um, hold on, let me see. Thank you for listening. Happy Rusev Day. And Russell Boys 316 as sick. Dick. Dick. Later.